Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. We have reached now less than 100 days until the NFL season mark. So we're getting closer, guys. And if you're like us, you're spending some of those days with a new or existing salary cap contract league. And if that's you, we've got a show for you because tonight we have the salary cap specialist. We're thrilled to welcome Dan Myler, senior writer at DLF and one of the hosts of the DLF Dynasty podcast to the show. Dan, what's going on? Uh, excited that you guys wanted to reach out and talk a little bit about salary cap. It's a little bit of a niche. Not a lot of us dynasty players out there are, are jumping on this bandwagon, but the more of us that, that give it a shot and love it and start talking about it, the more, uh, the more new blood we get into salary cap. And I'm excited that you guys brought me on to talk a little bit about it, uh, that and contract leagues as well. Just, just thrilled to join you fellas. Hey, Dan, speaking of bandwagons, I have a question for you. I'm a Bears fan. I know you're a Green Bay Packers fan. So was that you jumping on the bandwagon when the Packers got good? Or did you grow up a Packers fan? I'm curious. Well, I was, I was born in Wisconsin, and, and my whole family is a Packers fan as, you know, as well. So uh, I, I was born into Packer fandom. And although I live in South Dakota now, I still bleed green and gold. One of your Packers, I have to admit, did something really cool that I saw on Twitter today. Uh, Trey, did you see Aaron Jones in the Appleton, Wisconsin airport? There was this lady in the wheel, a wheelchair. Uh, there was no one there to wheel her to get her luggage and everything. So, so Aaron Jones decided he was going to help out, and someone took a picture, and now it's all over Twitter. It's going to be on the news. I thought it was pretty cool. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that, actually. I, th- I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't read the whole article. I literally... I had a really busy day at work today, but I had jumped on Twitter a couple times and, and saw someone had retweeted it. And um, I hope that this continues to uh, propel him right to the front of the uh, backfield there in Green Bay, because I have a few shares of Aaron Jones that would appreciate that. So, Hey, hey Will, wouldn't have Jamal Williams have done the same thing if he had been in that situation, right? Yes. Sorry, it's, everything's a little slow at the moment. <laughs> on the Will side. <laughs> big pillow in my way. I'm going to need you to be a little more concise with your take next time, Will. A little more concise. Jamal Williams is actually there first, and Aaron Jones pushed him out of the way. <laughs> Dan, what about Ty Montgomery? Would he have done the same thing if he hadn't been in that situation? Hey, hey Ty is a good guy, but I'm, I'm on the Aaron Jones bandwagon. I'm, I'm a believer. I think he's going to take, uh, take care of that backfield just the, way I, just the way he took care of that old lady at the, at the airport. Uh, he'll, he'll be the leading guy in that backfield. And, and my shares – just like your guys is, uh, would really appreciate if he does that. He tried to, but he broke a rib walking up there. <laughs> if you do points per old lady pushed, I'm going to tell right now. All right. Well, let, let's jump right into it. Uh, enough about, about that. Let's talk about <laughs> salary cap leagues. And where do we begin, Dan? First of all, there are a lot of our listeners listening to the show that are probably like, do I want to give this episode a listen? Because I'm not in a salary cap league. So let's, let's do the elevator uh, speech. Sell them on a salary cap league, Dan. Why, why should they do it? I don't know if I'm going to sell anybody on a, on a salary cap league, but the first thing I, I want to say about it always when, when somebody asks is that if you haven't tried it, you, you need to. And, and maybe you need to go up the escalator first 
And the first stop for me was auction leagues. And when you reach an auction league and, and, and have that realization that, wow, this was a lot of fun, I have a shot at anybody in the league and, and all the good things that come along with being in an auction, that triples or, or even more than that uh, duplicates over and over again when you're in a salary cap. Uh, the, the biggest thing for a salary cap for me is that you, you get the closest uh, possible you're, you get the best chance to run a team like a regular NFL general manager would, would run a team. So, so you build it from scratch and you have to think of more things than just building a roster like a traditional dynasty roster. To me, a, a dynasty has one major factor, or really two major factors, the short term and the long term. And that holds true as well in a, in a salary cap league. However, you also have to consider contracts and the, what percentage of the salary cap you give up. So, so you're, you're, you're adding in more factors. You're making it more challenging for, for dynasty owners. So, so any dynasty owner that, that loves dynasty and, and especially those who like auction, the, if you want to make the game funner and, and more realistic and, and add, a, add a little bit more challenge to the game that we all love, uh, going over to salary cap and giving it a shot is is the way to go for sure. Did how did you first get introduced to a, a league like this? I mean, had you been you, I guess, assume you were first doing some auction leagues and then you went into uh, a salary cap league. How did this evolve? So there was a time in my life, and it, it's kind of embarrassing to admit. Actually, there was a time in my life that I thought I was inventing it. That there, you know, it was ten years ago, maybe to longer than that, even now. And I, I was thinking up this grand scheme to build this league and, and, and uh, websites were, were slow coming for Dynasty even. So mm-hmm. salary cap wasn't even a part of, of, of regular interactions on the internet or anything like that. And until I found, actually I found DLF and found the forum and, and saw other people talking about salary cap and, and how to how to build a league based on it. And, and my first salary cap league, you know, like a lot of us who play dynasty or fantasy in general was all pen and paper and, and, or pencil and paper really. So you had that eraser, uh, and keeping track of salaries and keeping track of, uh, of, of, of player performance and, and all those things, contracts. And when, uh, when, when, I, when I finally had the chance to dig deep into DLF and the forum there and, and, a lot of other websites as well. I realized there was a lot of us freaks out there. A lot of a lot of guys that were digging deeper than just yards per carry and and uh, fantasy points and fantasy points allowed. A lot of us were attracting or, or or also adding that salary cap portion to it. And my rule book got bigger, and I started leagues, and uh, it's just become a, a second language for me really uh i I started as a as a fantasy owner went to a dynasty owner sooner or later was an auction owner and then that that finally landed me at salary cap and if there was a if there was another landing spot for me to to end up i'd end up there but i think salary cap is is, as good as it gets for me yeah so i wanted to talk to you just uh initially when you're going into and and we'll just kind of for the sake of not getting too far into the weeds, assume that it's a kind of a traditional, not overly complicated rules. You know, you've got a salary cap league. And uh, what is your objective when you go into the startup? And, and of course, it's an auction. 
Um, obviously, when you're going into a startup auction for a traditional dynasty league, you're looking to get the, you know, the best players, whether it's your rankings or you're looking at ADP for as cheap as possible. You want to maximize your budget. How does that change? And how does your strategy of attacking that auction change transitioning from a dynasty startup auction to a salary cap startup auction? So I touched on it a little bit. The, the primary difference between a salary cap league and a dynasty league is that with dynasty, there's always an end game and the end game never really ends. A player enters the league and you have them on your roster, you get the best version of that player no matter what. But in a salary cap or a contract league, you only get the window that you're allowed with, based on the rules that you play with. So if your max contract or the rookie contract that you're allowed to give a, a, an incoming rookie in your league is only four or five seasons, you're only allowed the best of those first four or five years. You don't, you don't have the luxury of looking at a player at a window outside of what your rules prohibit. So, so that's one factor that, that makes salary cap a lot more challenging and, in my opinion, a lot better. And that's, going back to your question, that's, that's a, the big reason that I appreciate salary cap so much more than a standard dynasty. The pressure is on with a salary cap. A lot of people in dynasty like to talk about two, three, or even four-year windows. Uh, maybe even beyond that for those that build really long-term in Devi leagues and, and those owners that like to build around the rookie draft and stockpile picks. You don't have that luxury in a salary cap league. You need to uh, find your window and attack that window. So when I start a startup auction or, or really start putting, to, putting my uh, plan together for how to attack a startup, I, I typically look at things in a one to two year window. I like to say always that salary cap is the perfect blend between redraft and dynasty and dynasty really has because there's that unlimited window that that you know as a dynasty owner you're never going to get fired as as a salary cap owner you're never going to get fired as the general manager either but you can sure continue to uh to shoot yourself in the foot, as it were, by, by continuing to make those mistakes. And, and they're, they're amplified so much more in salary cap than in dynasty because you can't just simply get out of it by, by trading that guy away for a draft pick or something along those lines. So uh, for the most part, I, 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 I like to look at a startup in, in a shorter-term window and, like I said, uh, see I like to see dynasty as, as that – that pure long-term uh, game and and salary cap as the perfect blend between between dynasty and redraft. So Dan, let let's talk about uh, the, the, talking to people that are completely new to this or going into this for the first time because this is daunting, right? And uh, what are some tips for those newbies? Like, what what should they do to prepare for this startup auction? Also. How do you avoid the temptation? You, you see that you can get Saquon Barkley like, oh, I could, I could give him this huge like five-year deal and, and he's mine for five years and I want to do that. Can you talk about the, the consequences to potentially giving some of these guys these, these longer contracts that, you know, that you're going to have them for, for five years? Why not do it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, 
all of us want Saquon Barkley, right? For for five years, holy cow! Um, you and and most of these rookies coming out, they all look shiny and new and, and great. And that, that's another difference. And we can talk about that a little bit as we go on between dynasty and salary cap. Is is that salary cap? You need an immediate return out of these rookies, right? You you only get them for four or five years. So if you're gonna go get and and Saquon Barkley might not be the best example, but but maybe one of these other rookies that are a little bit farther down, uh, Cortland Sutton or something like that. Even if you're super high on Cortland Sutton and you, you want to invest that five-year contract, particularly if it's fully guaranteed or mostly guaranteed, uh, that's a pretty risky deal. So, so you have to keep that in mind as you, as you go through that startup or, or maybe that initial rookie draft uh, or rookie auction. Um, to go back to your main question there, the, the main uh, stumbling blocks that, that new owners come across, it's, it's really an obvious one and, and one that all new owners in salary cap think they know all about, and, and that's overspending. Kind of like what you're talking about there, uh, Ryan, the, the temptation, the, the need or the want to, to grab all those young guys and all those guys with that huge upside now and pay market value for those players is, is so great that many new dynasty owners or new salary cap owners, I should say, tend to overspend, uh, spread that money over long terms, even, even though it may be fully or, or mostly guaranteed, and then treat that initial auction or the startup auction as if it were just a standard auction one year or dynasty league where if you make a huge mistake spending 40% of your cap on a superstar and he bombs, well, it's really only costing me one roster spot, right? In a traditional dynasty, the only thing you're giving up when you acquire a player is a roster spot. In salary cap, you're giving up way more than just a roster spot. You also have to give up the amount of years that you commit to, and most importantly, the percentage of your salary that you have to give. So if you make multiple mistakes in that initial startup by extending long-term guaranteed contracts to unproven players or veterans that are over the hill, those mistakes can, can amplify the rebuild that you have to make so quickly that, you know, to be honest with you, it could sour you on sour salary cap leagues really quickly. You know, uh, another thing, Dan, that, that I've heard you discuss, and, and I'm going to say to our listeners in the show notes, I want to put links to a couple of podcasts you've done with Jeff Miller on the DLF Dynasty podcast. You've had some great shows, great discussions with him on this very topic. So we'll link to those in the show notes. But one of the things you guys have discussed is, is understanding the, the reading the bylaws, understanding the, the league rules. And I think that's a, that's a really good thing to emphasize because these leagues are all different. So how much time do you spend if you're joining a new league reviewing those bylaws? So that's a really good question. And Jeff and I talk about it regularly, even outside of the podcast. We try to dissect rules and, and try to make, the, make rules work well for, for, for us. And it, it really is part of the game, whether you're playing in any type of league. Uh, even, even in redraft, you need to know your scoring and, and how, how your rules play out. But in Dynasty, that's magnified a little bit more. And in salary cap, I think, even more. 
as as you try to make rules work for you or or work within your rules to to max uh, maximize your chance to to build a championship roster um it's it's imperative it's the number one thing that that you really should be spending your time on in the weeks and and months even leading up to to a startup auction in the in these types of leagues i you know not that i overdwell on it or anything like that but I, I like to read through a rule book and highlight things that are unique or different from anything that I've, I've ever experienced and try to look at it from multiple directions. And, and, and really, to be honest with you, I use Jeff as a sounding board. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to him and, and talk to others about what they think it means, because when you read a rule and see it as, wow, I, I can acquire that player from another team for, for relatively cheap then. Well, everybody in the league can can do the same thing. So, from the other perspective, can can that guy steal him back, or is there some kind of loophole that you can use to make it work even better for you? It, it's hard to really explain without having a specific topic in mind. But spending extra time on your rules in in salary cap, in my opinion, is vital if if you want to make the make the league the most possible fun and give yourself the best chance to be successful. So this is my first salary cap league is what we're doing, but the, at the end of the day, and I think it's a good question is, so when you're looking at your league and you're looking at trade partners and what you're doing, so it's easy to find a team that you feel is like deficit in some way because you're your own owner. Uh, we all do a lot of research in what we do. And so you can, I think we can find somebody that we think like, okay, this is what they're doing wrong within their team. But in salary cap, how do you approach somebody without being uh, – the, the way I'll phrase is uh, approach somebody with a trade where you're not trying to take advantage of them and phrase it in the correct way. It's a really good question, Will. And I'm, I'm going to answer it by, by talking, talking about it in a different light maybe. Instead of you know, trying to dance around insulting an owner – uh, I, th- I think the best way to approach, or first of all, the best way to find it, it it's so much easier. A lot of people, like, like you kind of alluded it to, to it right there, that maybe it's more difficult to trade or it's, it's more difficult to approach somebody about a trade, particularly if you're a championship contender and maybe talking to somebody who's in a rebuild. Um, I actually think it's the complete opposite. There are so many more avenues to talk, to talk about with a potential trade partner um, because there's, there's ways that you can save cap money now or cap money in the future. Um, there, there's ways to, to save uh, contract years if that's a part of your league. Um, and so you're not just talking about value for value. You're not just talking about, oh, well, I've got this player who's injured and I can't really get much for him right now. Well, if that contract's right, he's a pretty valuable player still, especially to a rebuilding team. So instead of looking at it as a negative, as far as trading in a salary cap league, I like to see it as a positive that a, a, a specific player, whether he be overpriced or underpriced or long-term contract or short-term contract, that guy has value to somebody in your league. And mostly because there's somebody who's either rebuilding or going for that championship or, and that's true in every league, of course, but in, 
in salary cap, again, it's, it's amplified, really. So finding a trade partner is, is actually a lot easier to me because everybody can look at that player from a different perspective and, and find some value, uh, particularly guys, if you're, if you're building your team right, uh, not overspending on players and, and getting good values, even if that player gets hurt or if that player goes off or if that player underperforms, you've bought him at the value where you can get something out of him or, or find that draft pick or, or whatever that piece is that you need uh, from somebody in the league. So if, if you're in a good league with a lot of guys that are active and, and really know your rules, again, going back to that, uh, knowing the rules, um, it, it, it really is a lot easier and a, and a lot more fun to make those deals in salary cap leagues. I think it also lends itself a lot to, to the idea of fantasy and why I love it so much is you could have a stacked team for one year, but then week you know, 12, uh, two of your studs go down for no reason. And that now you, also, you have to make changes and I have to plan for the future and do everything like that. The, the, I like it because also people who think they're not competitive can all, but like the owner who had Kenyon Drake last year in a salary cap league, who had a decent team and then had that guy elevated into, you know, an RB one for the rest of the year. And that's what I love about fantasy is you can, you can prepare as much as possible, but you're, like, there's always going to be surprises and that, that's what makes the season so much fun. Absolutely. It, it's absolutely the, the case. And, and I'm one of those owners that are incredibly aggressive when it comes to the trade deadline and, and trying to build that championship team, whether it be in a traditional dynasty or a salary cap league. And that, that, uh, example that you give of, of buying Antonio Brown for those six weeks it's, is the perfect one, really, because what, what you really look at is, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, you're, you're looking at your window of opportunity. And it shrinks every year for every owner in a salary cap, no matter how good you are at building a roster or at salary cap in general, because not only are everybody else losing players and, and contracts expiring, but you are too. So even if you're the best owner in your league, you no doubt have players expiring and that window is shrinking. Now, maybe you have collected extra draft picks or, and have the most cap space or whatever and have the, the best chance of rebuilding again. But the, you know, with, with Dynasty, when that window shrinks, it seems to me like it shrinks just a little bit less and there's a little bit more give and take with, uh, if, if you're the best owner in a dynasty, in a traditional dynasty league, you can make up that difference a lot easier than in a salary cap where the, the deck might be stacked against you. You're losing two of your three best players. One of your players might be getting a big pay increase. Uh, and, and all those factors factor in that, that this is the time to, to pounce and this is the time to add that Antonio Brown and get that, that last stud that'll put you over the top and get you that championship. I've always said that winning a championship in salary cap is twice as hard as in dynasty. And a lot of people shake their head at that. But if, if you're in a league with really good owners in dynasty, it, it's difficult, but you can have that lucky draft or that lucky off season or, or add that Alvin Kamara and whatever free agent or, or whatever uh, free agent signing that came on and, and make a big splash. It's so much more difficult in, in salary cap, especially if you have a lot of good owners in the league, because all those guys are gunning for, for those players and everybody that's available. Uh, everybody has a chance at, and, and there's so many more avenues to get those players. So, 
So more than anything else, going back to your question a little bit there, Trey, is, is that being aggressive and, and anybody, any, any dynasty owner that is aggressive, salary cap is really for you because it gives you so many chances to be the, the aggressive or even overly aggressive dynasty owner. I think, it, I think it's very interesting too, because it, at least from the little bit that I've learned and, and some of the rules I've kind of devoured and leagues I've started or joined this off season with salary caps, it seems like each league is going to kind of have its own um, valuing of rookie picks. And, and sometimes the rules, I think, increase the value of rookie picks. And, and sometimes I think that the rules kind of, you know, decrease the value. And I think even within certain owners, that you have an opportunity. I think it was really interesting when you and Jeff talked about, you know, you know, Jeff on the, you guys podcast had mentioned that he would, you know, trade a pick that would be like a top four pick um, for, you know, six weeks of Antonio Brown, if he thought he could win a title. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, Antonio Brown is one of those guys that for most dynasty owners, they probably want a haul to move him. Um, whereas if, if you know he's in his la- the last year of his deal, um, so, so I think that it, it's a very interesting concept of being very self-aware, would you say, is, is important mid-season. I, I think it's always important in any dynasty league that mid-season you be able to identify, be honest with yourself, okay, I really don't have a shot. Maybe I limp into the playoffs, but I really don't have a great shot. Um, or, you know, I really have a strong team. Maybe I just need one more piece. And you buy or sell your rookie picks kind of based on your assessment of your team. It it seems to me like that's probably even of greater importance in a salary cap league. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, it is for me too. And and that's what makes salary cap so much better. You you use Drake as an example and you know, the, any dynasty owner was excited about that. Drake got the job. I'm excited about that. I can put him in my lineup. He's, he's a flex player that's playing at RB2 levels or even RB1 levels. But think about it from a salary cap perspective then. Wait a minute. I have him for $1 in a $250 cap. He is one of the best players in our league because of it. You can say what you want about Alvin Kamara. He, yes, he's excellent. Le'Veon Bell is excellent. Le'Veon Bell has a $60 contract. Alvin Kamara was drafted and has a $20 contract. I have a RB1 performing at that level, and I have him for a dollar. And, you know, that's what's so great about Sal. More than anything else we've talked about is the fluctuation of values and how a player that may be perceived as the 50th best player in a dynasty league in your specific league might be the most untradeable player in the entire league because he's such a value and you're paying him next to nothing peanuts and might have him locked up for two or three or four years. It, it just adds an element of the intrigue that doesn't exist in standard dynasty. And when, when a dynasty owner might be talking to a salary cap owner, it's really difficult to understand uh, how exciting that can be because guys like Drake come along and instantly become one of the best players in the league and a dynasty owner might not recognize that quite as much. You know, that begs a, an interesting um, question, Dan, uh, especially since we talked about this league that we've started, that, that all of us, it's kind of our first foray into salary cap. H- how long, I'm sure that you've seen guys come into your league 
uh, or leagues where they're new, brand new or relatively new to salary cap leagues, how long does it take for that transition to that, that light bulb to go off on, you know, being clued into the economy of that particular league based on the bylaws, how people are valuing these players on one-year deals, how people are valuing their rookie picks. Do, do you find, and I guess with every owner it's different, but do you find for owners that have been doing dynasty for quite a few years that it's challenging for them to make that transition? I really don't. I, I think a savvy dynasty owner can make the tra- transition in a few months, really in an off season. Uh, maybe make a few mistakes along the way or, or overpay on a player or two and, and, and realize that mid-season. But inside of a year, any dynasty owner that, that pays attention and has tried to become good at, being, good at being a dynasty owner can be a good salary cap owner. Typically, if you have somebody around you that is, is playing the game and, and involved in it, maybe even a commissioner of one of the leagues, you, you can even streamline that a little bit. I remember when Jeff Miller, you guys mentioned Jeff earlier, when he first started and, and he and I started talking uh, from time to time, it, it wasn't a few weeks before he was asking me really, really good questions about, about how to run his team and, and, and things like that. And within a year, he was one of, the, one of my go-to guys as far as, as guys I would talk to about decisions I would have to make with my teams. Now, now Jeff is a special cat. And, and he certainly knows his stuff. Uh, so, so maybe not everybody's that way. But, but most of the guys I play with uh, make the transition really easily. And, and for sure, nobody should be intimidated by, by trying the game and, and trying to get good at it. So, Dan, do you have any concrete rules that you live by in, in, a, in a league like this, in a salary cap uh, league? Uh, for example, you only will give, you know, uh, running backs to your contracts or when you're in a startup auction, you want to target guys you believe have tremendous upside. And so you'll allocate some extra money to try to go for those guys to get those one, two, $3 bargains. So are there any like concrete rules or you basically just kind of adjust uh, league to league based on the bylaws uh, or is there anything like concrete you can, you, you can leave people listening to the podcast with? Well, it's really a good question. I, I think your, your point about, rules and and how the how the league is run uh certainly plays a factor um i don't know if there's anything that's necessarily concrete i i don't i don't go into a league saying i'll never give more than a three-year contract to a running back or or i never want to have more than a couple quarterbacks on my on my team the one thing i do hang my hat on a little bit is to to always try to give my it's going to be really vague I always try to give myself the most possible flexibility. So whatever your rules will allow, for example, if, if, you have, if you play in a league where veteran contracts are guaranteed and rookie contracts are unguaranteed, having those unguaranteed contracts on your roster makes a lot of sense because it gives you a lot of flexibility. I can drop that underperforming second-year player to create a little cap space to add this other player that, that will help me right now. Uh, so anything that gives me a little bit of flexibility. Outside of that, not really anything concrete. I do. I, I never like to spend more than seventy-five percent of my cap a year out. I never want to spend more than fifty percent of my cap two years out. And those may seem a little bit low, 
uh, or high, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but, but again, leaving yourself that flexibility and that opportunity to make a decision in the future is, is vital to being a good salary cap owner, in my opinion. That's good stuff. I like that. What about um, some tools or resources you utilize to be successful? I mean, what? Because we you you talked about this when you first got into this, Dan, where you thought you were inventing this whole concept, and then you started to realize it was out there. But still, it's not like there's um, all this information. As far as I know, there's not a podcast, for example, dedicated to this type of league. You know, no, there's not, and there, really, there should be because. As you guys can see, it's, it's man, it's fun to talk about. And and as you guys get into your league that you're in the startup now, you, I, I really feel like the way you guys are talking, in a year you're going to be saying, that's my favorite league. I love it more than any other. Uh, and and it should be talked about more, and it, it will be as more of us start trying the, the format and enjoying it. Uh, I don't know if there will ever be a podcast or a website or anything like that dedicated specifically to it. Uh, if it was, there would only be the four of us and, and a handful of others regularly checking it out for sure. Uh, but hopefully the group of us grows a little bit as we, as we kind of go, go on. As far as tools and resources, I think your, your past experience is the best tool that you're going to have. You're, you're going to look back on, on how you built teams and the mistakes that you made, overspending on a wide receiver that was 29 years old or or uh, going into a startup overly aggressive. Um, you know, I've learned over the years that in a startup, you, you, you got to read the room really quickly, just like in any auction, figure out if, if it's going to be aggressive or not, and adapt to that. Um, saving money for the end and having that as a rigid rule isn't, isn't necessarily a good one because you, you, the values might be in the middle. And, and anybody that's been in an auction will know that. So uh, if, if you're talking about tools and, and things that you can go to to, to find uh, information, listen to the pods, talk to you guys because you have experience, get friends that, that are in the same, same kind of leagues, uh, jump on Twitter and ask guys like myself and Jeff Miller and now you guys as well, what do you like to do if you were in this situation? What would you do? And you, you'll come up with a strategy and, and a philosophy when it comes to it for sure. I, I personally, I'm, I'm an over-preparer. I, I, I really track my auctions and my startups and my values. I, I'm a spreadsheet type of guy. Uh, I like to keep track of what percentage of, of my cap I'm spending on this position or my wide receiver one and have, have dwindled that down to a little bit of a science where I feel like if I overspend compared to my history and my successful teams of the past, I think I might be giving myself a, a, a little bit less of a shot at being competitive either long-term or, or short-term. So um, as, I, as I've gone along, I've, I've, I feel like I've um, um, built a little bit of a recipe to being successful. And uh, if you keep your eye on DLF, maybe you'll catch, catch a glimpse of that in an article or, or two that I'm, I'm, I'm going to write in the future. Also, the DLF podcast, uh, Jeff and I plan on continuing to talk about salary cap and 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 keep an eye on things going on because like you guys when you asked me uh what if i'd come on and, and join you guys uh i love to talk about salary cap so so i'll continue to do it anytime anybody asks i do i do think it's an interesting and you know and so i've got some some trades that i wanted to kind of look at and, and kind of chat about 
and and this was kind of a the realization to me so i went on twitter and i searched by like all kind of different terms that i could try to find and i literally had a hard time finding uh salary cap uh, trades that we could kind of talk about to kind of maybe highlight the difference in values so then i went on the dlf forums and uh, even tried to look on there for trades and you know you realize that there's just not a lot of um there, there's a lot of chatter about salary cap leagues and and people asking questions of um but i i think that you know there's a there's a real i would be super curious to, to know you know what kind of um what percentage of people out there I wonder are doing salary cap leagues and maybe we could see salary cap leagues, you know, turn into the, you know, like the new super flex, you know, the new craze where, where it starts to really take off in popularity. I'd, I'd love to see that. Yeah, it might happen. I, I think it would if more people would give it a shot and more, a lot of those trades that you're seeing out there, Trey, uh, are, are salary cap related. I, I believe it in my heart. It's just that all of us salary cap owners have to speak in generalities. We understand that there are so many owners out there that are dynasty owners, and we want their opinion on a trade or, or on the value of a player, but we, we can't necessarily spell it out. Well, I have this guy for $3, and that guy is $7. Is it worth the, the skip so, or, or making the deal? We might, we might phrase the question a little bit differently to, to make it easy for any dynasty owner to answer and, and that's why maybe you can't find as, as many of them. I tell you, I, I've been known now for a little while as, as one of the guys to talk about or talk to about salary cap. And I get a lot of questions from guys. And then if, if you go through their Twitter handle, you'll see, uh, or their history, you'll see, oh, they, they're asking the same questions. It's just not framed in a salary cap uh, uh, type of question, I guess. So Trey, did you did you find any any trades to even talk about Twitter trades? Can you guys see that? Oh yeah. All right. So you're like me. You went all in with the, with the special effects of the spreadsheet. I love it. Yeah. Or the, the PowerPoint. This PowerPoint presentation. I give this like a four so far. Listen, I I, <laughs> I I tried to spice it up, but there were some priorities around the farm that needed tending to. All right, so guys, I just want to get your take, and and I'm interested to hear each of you um, kind of comment. And I included as much, as many details as I could that I was able to glean from these trades that I, I came across on Twitter. So this first one we're looking at, as you guys can see on the screen, our listeners can't, but um, this first one is a 16 team. It's a half PPR league. So uh, team A is giving up Brandon Cooks on a one year, $130 contract. Again, I, I don't know the um, salary cap. The team B is giving up Michael Crabtree on a two-year deal, $50, and Jay Ajayi on a one-year deal, $45. So the first thing I'll ask each of you guys, two-part question. First, uh, which side do you think Twitter picked? And second, which side would you pick? And, and again, I know team specifics could go into it, but in a vacuum, let's, let's kind of go. You wanna, why don't you start out, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, let's, re let's repeat this for our listeners. 16-team, half-point PPR, Team A, Cooks, one year, $130. Um, then Team B, Crabtree, two years for $50. Jay, Ajayi, one year, $45. So which side would I take and what side did Twitter take? 16 teams. So that le really leads me to 
uh, Team B. I don't think I mind Michael Crabtree for two years, $50. JJ, one year, $45. So since it's 16 teams, I don't know how Cooks is going to do this one year uh, adjusting to his place in that Rams offense. So I'm going to go Team B. And I think Twitter probably would agree with me. Maybe I'll go Twitter 57%. Okay. Well, what do you think? We'll, we'll save Dan for last. Oh, going the best in the middle. That's fine. Uh, so I, I think uh, Twitter's easily going to take Team B here because they're very down on Brandon Cooks and his salary is super inflated. Assuming that, like, in Michael Crabtree, two years isn't that means it, tri- it triples in his second year. Michael, Mike, Michael Crabtree seems like a really big buy candidate on, like, the market, especially – I don't know when this was taken, but the, that he's Joel Flacco's he's, – he's a guy. Uh, I think is what Joel Flacco said about Crabtree. So – Everybody's high on him now. Also, JJ for one year's steal for forty-five bucks. You have no risk. If he hits huge, that's awesome. If not, you're not committed long term. So you take B, and you also think Twitter takes B. Yeah, by a lot. I'd say like seventy-six percent. Okay, cool. All right, Dan, what do you what do you think the the uh, aficionado of salary cap leagues? What what you got for us? Hardly an aficionado. <laughs> you know, there are so many factors that you really should know to really take one of these sides uh, on a, in a vacuum, just looking at this piece of paper in front of me. Uh, as soon as I saw it, I thought, well, it's probably a thousand dollar cap. It looks like a thousand dollar cap to me. Brandon cooks at 13%, Michael Crabtree at 5%. It, it really makes sense. Uh, when those contracts were given probably uh, would, would shed a little light on that because of 16 teams. I can see a lot of people going the Crabtree Ajayi route. I really like the cook side of this deal. There, there's really two parts of that for me. Uh, first of all, cooks has the same opportunity that you were talking about. Will with Jay Ajayi to make that big splash. Uh, it's, it may look like a big number compared to the others, but cooks is valued in dynasty leagues and, and pretty much everywhere at a much higher level than Crabtree and Ajayi. So 130 doesn't seem like that big of a jump to me. So, so you still have the benefit of the potential big splash. Also the benefit of the cap relief after one year, I could see a rebuilding team taking that, taking the Brandon Cooks side of that deal. I could see a championship contender taking the Brandon Cooks side of that deal as well. I agree with you guys that Twitter probably leans toward Team B because of the salaries and having Crabtree locked up for two years. But I'm not opposed to the Cooks side, so I'll take Team A. All right, so we're going to show the results here. Uh, Twitter, actually, uh, 72% on, on Team A. <laughs> and uh, wow. I, I thought that was interesting because I, I, I felt like it might be a little more close for the same reasons that that Ryan and Will mentioned. And, and Dan, I agree with you. I think that Brandon Cooks have a, could have a really um, great year there in um, L.A. I almost said St. Louis in L.A. Um, you and Adrian Peterson. And the flexibility, I think, is that interesting that you commented. So I found that to be an interesting. I, I kind of expected it to be more with the salary cap, maybe slated towards the Crabtree Ajayi side because I, I can see I, – I, it wouldn't surprise me if Crabtree and Cooks had fairly equal production this year. To be honest, I think if if Crabtree ends thinking. up being the one in Baltimore, uh, you do have him on the hook that second year. I, I'm a guy that, you know, and again, this could be getting caught up more on player. Um, I think the one year Jay Ajayi deal is kind of the X factor here because, you know, without Blunt there and the way that Jay Ajayi looked in the playoffs and that offense, if he um, continues to get even 50 to 60 percent of the snaps in that 
Philadelphia offense, I think he could be a running back one this year. Like, I don't love him. I like JJ much more in, in a salary cap type league or a redraft league than I do dynasty. Um, but anyway, I, I felt like it was an interesting, um, an interesting trade to look at. Um, so the second trade I have here, this one, I have a little more information as far as, and I had to throw a Packer in here for you, Dan. So uh, this is a $500 salary <laughs> cap. And I felt like this was interesting because these two players are, are really on quite low um, uh, salaries. Uh, and so I don't know if it's like an IDP league. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, but a $500 salary cap team A is DeAndre Hopkins one year for $19 and team B is Devonte Adams two years for $11. So we'll, we'll flip the order this time, Dan, I'll let you go first. What, what, what side of this trade do you want? Oh, again, I wish I knew a little bit more details. Like what are the rules for re-signing DeAndre Hopkins? Because if it's really easy and you only have to take a percentage gain to, to re-sign him to a non new contract, it's easily Hopkins. But if, if there's any kind of rule that says, well, once he plays out his last year, he goes to free agency or, or your only option is to franchise tag him and that's going to cost you the average of the top five salaries and, and in a $500 cap, that, that's uh, $100, that, that makes things way different. So I think this is a really easy one for me because of the second year, twice the production, uh, half the salary nearly. Devontae Adams is seen as a wide receiver one by most, uh, or at least many. And DeAndre Hopkins, although he's, he's seen by many, including myself, as the, the top uh, target in in any dynasty league or, or salary cap league, the number one player, the 101 in startups, I'm still taking the guy that I have locked up for a couple of seasons. Give me Devontae Adams at 11 bucks for two years. All right, Will, what do you think? We'll go in reverse order here. Ooh, uh, I'm, I'm going to take Adams, but not for the same reasons, because it's totally different. My evaluation uh, is better, so I'm going to take Adams. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I just feel like uh, the chances are that Hopkins is going to go on the free, the free market uh, in this league, and uh, Adams having locked up for another year. You at least want to get one full year of Adams at his peak with Rodgers, with his re-signed contract, see what it ends up at. You have very low risk with Adams there versus very high risk with uh, Hopkins, where you're going to go – go into it in the future yeah for me <clears throat> based on what we know i have to just echo what, what has been said i would take adams two years less money and i don't think it's crazy to think that adams could outproduce hopkins um in 2018 i know that's crazy I mean, that, maybe that's a hot take but i think uh deandre hopkins is due for some regression i don't think he's gonna have as many uh touchdowns this year so i i maybe i'm crazy maybe i'm alone in the island on that and i'm not necessarily predicting that but Blasphemy. That is horrible. I, I can't believe you even say such things about my guy, DeAndre Hopkins. He's obviously <laughs> going to be the wide receiver one this year. It's just that Devontae yeah. Adams is pretty good, too. <laughs> just like DeAndre Hopkins was going to be the wide receiver one last year. So give me, give me some Adams. I'm curious to see what, uh, what Twitter says. So Twitter agreed with all three of you guys. Um, although I felt like it was a little more, more close. Because I, I felt like to fifty three percent to forty seven percent. Yeah, that's right. I, I can't. You know, I, I forget that the uh, listeners can't see this. Yeah. So fifty three. That's out of hundred percent. Fifty three percent of a hundred percent pick the Devonta Adams side, and, and I just thought it was interesting because I, I feel like that um, you know DeAndre Hopkins in that dynasty mindset is significantly valued over 
Devonta Adams. Although I do think Devonta Adams is is a guy that could could, as you guys mentioned, the potential to really climb in value um, in the coming season. But um, it, it is just interesting because, and I, and I think that you know Dan, even though these two two trades we looked at here don't you know really hammer home the the point um, that you know sometimes you have to be more mindful of the salary situation on a particular trade more so than the player. Not that you ignore the player completely, but that you're very aware of how many years you're getting them. And, and again, like you said, the second year, the guaranteed second year of Devonte Adams at a lower price is really what kind of seals the deal. You know, the, the name, it's not that you're in love necessarily with Devonte Adams, but you see a guy that you have in this certain range of wide receiver production um, with an extra year and less money. And that is what really kind of leads you. It's, it's the contract and the salary, not necessarily the player name. Yeah. You're, you're preaching Trey. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, there are three factors in a salary cap league where with only one in, in a dynasty traditional dynasty league um, in, in that dynasty league, you're, you're just looking at player value specifically in salary cap. You have to consider that player value but also weigh the contract length as well as the, the percentage of your salary that you're giving up. So, so all three factors, uh, although they may not be necessarily equal, they certainly factor in when you're making these decisions. And it's, again, what makes salary caps so much fun. Hey, hey Dan, let's just say in the same scenario exactly that you put Stefan Diggs on Team B, what would you take? Instead of Adams, you're saying? yeah. Yeah, see, that's where when you're weighing those player values, it might tip the other way. I, I would trade Diggs on a two-year for $11 for that splash of Hopkins at, at, for just one year, especially in, in, in a situation where you're, where you're building for right now and think you have a chance to make that big splash and, and go for a championship now. Um, I could see it going the other way in a true rebuild, but I think you can get more for DeAndre Hopkins in one year than, than Diggs on a two. What I love about this conversation, Dan, and the way you, you know, talked, talked us through the thought process on who you would take is that there are so many factors to consider. Uh, you mentioned, well, how much is it going to cost to retain DeAndre Hopkins for the future? Also, another thing to consider, you know, what, what is the landscape, landscape going to look like in the free agent auction next year? Like how much money are other people going to have when DeAndre Hopkins gets, say he gets thrown back in, you know, to, to, you know, among all the owners in the league, you know, where do you stand versus other owners in the league? So I think there's just so many elements that make, you know, just thinking about this trade that's so interesting and exciting, right? Because there, there are these elements you really have to consider. Yeah, you bring up some really good, good thoughts there. I, I think the main one you, you, you mentioned is that we haven't even really talked about is, is these players that go back and how you're set up for the future is, is a really big factor when making these decisions. And, and when I look at it, you know, I always try to weigh my, like, kind of like what you said there. Uh, okay, I have the fourth most money. But if you have the, the second most needs, it really doesn't add up to a whole lot. Now, when we talked earlier tonight about, uh, well, I'm losing guys. I, you know, I have guys expiring contracts. I, I have to re, retool. I have to rebuild. Well, if you have the most money, you 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 have a, obviously have a better chance. Now, when you look at a specific player, if Hopkins is the only player that is is hitting free agency or or only elite player, really, he's obviously going to be really expensive. 
But if he goes out in the same year that, that Mike Evans and Odell Beckham Jr. hit the market, you might have a little better chance of, of getting those guys. So, so like you said, to staying ahead of the game and, and knowing what's coming at you, knowing what that next year's free agent class and how much money is available, those are all the things, as we talked about earlier with rules, if you are ahead of the game and, and keep an eye on those things, you can get an advantage on your opponent. All right. So let's, so let's get Dan Myler out of here. Dan, we're going to put your info in the show notes where people can find you. But anything you want to say, any closing comments, anything you want to plug anything? Not really. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the, one of the three hosts at the DLF dynasty podcast. I, I write over at DLF. You can check anything that I've out, done out over there. Uh, more than anything, I want to say, if you haven't tried salary cap and if you've listened this long, you're obviously interested, give it a shot, start a league, Go find a league. Uh, check out the forum over at DLF because there's always guys looking to to start up leagues and, and get things going. Because uh, it really changed how how much fun I have playing fantasy football. It's my favorite format easily. And anybody who hasn't tried it, I always say say to at least give it a shot because it's just so much fun. Absolutely, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys inviting me on. I'd be glad to come on anytime, especially if you're talking salary cap. All right. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. You can contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at Gmail or at FFJoes on Twitter. Your feedback is welcome. Let us know how we're doing and what you want from us. We come at you weekly, late Sundays, early Mondays, in the summers with the new episodes. But be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review, but only if it is a positive one. You can find us on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at FantasyJoe underscore Will. And I'm at Roto Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joes. It is a Twitter. <laughs> The fantasy laundromat. One of the biggest mistakes I've ever made is that I accidentally <laughs> oh, no, where's this going? the turkeys from the podcast because a couple of episodes ago, Trey took us out with him to the, the, the what do you call it? You call it a turkey coop? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Turkey yeah. house? <clears throat> no, it's a coop. Not just we, for the turkeys. Every all the birds are in there. All the birds are there. We we heard the gobble gobble, <laughs> and I, I think I lost that audio forever, and I'm so sad by it. That's just so everybody knows, no turkeys are welcome on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Puffy is. <laughs> Mr. Puffy. <laughs> That's our male. That's our male turkey. Hey, bro. I signed. I signed it for three years. Ninety-five dollars. Boom, boom. It's <laughs> a bargain. Uh, so around Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, we'll have to you'll have to do the show out in the in the, the bird coop, so we get some gobble gobble. This is sad. <laughs> I mean, gonna, eat turkeys. No, it, he's it, we won't eat him. He's the father <laughs> to the baby turkeys that we will eat. 